Welcome back everyone to R2Cast number 14. Uh, a very interesting one today and, and one that we should really take seriously, but we'll, we'll get into that in a minute or two. Today we have uh, Stephanie Berkeley of the Farm Safety Foundation. Um, if you want to say hello there, Stephanie. Hi everybody, how are you doing? <laughs> so uh, we've got Stephanie on today um, to talk about everything farm health and safety. We'll, we'll cover sort of all facets and I'll, I'll leave it in Stephanie's hand to make sure we do so because she'll know a lot more about it than me. But as always, before we get into the, the good stuff, um, just, just a little bit of admin. If you're listening on Spotify uh, and or YouTube, great. Comment down below in the comment section. It's always good to see you guys listening in. Let me know maybe uh, people you'd like to see on the podcast, that sort of thing. And uh, get in touch on Facebook and Instagram at rural 2 Kitchen to tell me any other things you think I'm doing terrible, like I say, eh, and so all the time. So uh, I do. I just say it there, so I apologise for that. Um, but yeah, enough of me sort of rambling on there, Stephanie. Could you could you tell us a bit about yourself? Oh, cracky, this, that's the one thing I don't like talking about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, if the mention of health and safety hasn't switched off your um, your viewers or your listeners by now, um, thank you for your tenacity. Um I'm from Donegal in Ireland. My mum's Scottish. Um, I have been in, with the Farm Safety Foundation since it started in 2014, 2015. Um, basically, I am from Donegal, so most of my friends are farmers or fishermen. So they're equally dangerous professions. And um, I have personal experience of families losing you know, uh, members of the family. Um, also, one of my best friends lost two of her brothers in the one day going to work. Um, and we were probably about 17 at the time. So you do know exactly how it affects a family in a community when they lose somebody um, as a result of just a workplace incident as such. So when I moved over to England, um, hadn't a clue what I wanted to do, but this job just appealed to me. Um, came from a marketing um, and charity background myself and I was in the I was making science sexy when I was in Ireland so I just thought well let's just make safety sexy and start to get people to rethink the way they think about um, taking risks and funnily enough that's the theme for this year's farm safety week is rethink risk um, about approaching every single job as if your life depended on it. And, you know, in farming, let's be honest, it's got the poorest safety record of any occupation in the UK. So your life does depend on it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, yeah, I think uh, one thing I actually teach the students is treat everything as a risk assessment, not a massive big written out risk assessment, just everything you're thinking, walking into consider how does this work? Just a quick thought, and, and it doesn't even, it starts to become second nature eventually. But I mean, you, you, there are stories there from when you were younger. It, it It's devastating when you've got, you know, personal experiences and whatnot. It, it absolutely is, and it really puts it into perspective for yourself. But a lot of the folks that don't, it's quite hard to sort of understand what those numbers mean. And I mean, when we're speaking about numbers, uh, agriculture has been a uh, not great, shall we say? I mean, agriculture accounts for is it just under two percent of the uh, UK workforce. But if you're looking at sort of figures of deaths, it's an industrial about twenty percent. That's exactly um, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's sixty-seven thousand people directly employed in agriculture in Scotland. You know, so it's not a huge amount of people working for such something that is so fundamental to the economy. You know, we need farmers. We know they've been recognised as key workers. You know, they put food on our plate every day. But, you know, last year there were two farm fatalities, as they call them. The year before there were seven. Um, and this year, when the figures have come out, it's likely that for in Scotland there would be four. Now, four doesn't seem an awful lot, but we're not talking stats here. We're talking people. Yeah. You know, that's four people who won't be at the dinner table, four people that won't be around for Christmas, you know, and that's four families and communities and friends that are basically going to have to live with the consequences of either making a mistake or, as you said, not seeing the risk 
And let's let's be clear here. We do risk assessments every day. And as you said, they don't necessarily have to be on reams and reams of paper. You make yourself a cup of tea in the morning. You don't lift that straight up to your mouth because you know you're going to burn your mouth. That's a risk assessment. So we kind of need to think and rethink the way our attitudes to it. You know, so it's not about rolling your eyes every time. You know, this is about coming home safe at the end of the day. And, you know, that's worth thinking about and that's worth striving for, you know? Yeah, and, and I think, you know, we've sort of jumped into fatalities there. And it is, am I right in saying that last year sort of, it's done on a sort of April to April basis. So the mm. last year for sort of April 19 to 20, that the agricultural deaths was 20 or 22. But this yeah. year it was, yeah. it's almost about 150% at February. I haven't seen figures since. Yeah, I mean, we'll know the figures when the Health and Safety Executive publish them for us. Yeah. But, um, you know, they're finally, they're being finalised at the moment. But, you know, they do this, they do have a lot, um, a bit, and I don't know whether or not COVID has anything to do with it, and I'm sure that's going to come up in, in, our, in our conversation. But the mo- but what we do know is that this year, there were five members of the public killed on British farms. You know, that's five members of the public. Every single one of them was in contact with livestock. Now, we have people all over that have had near misses with livestock. If you see an 800 kilo heifer running for you, you know, you get out of the way. People that are using the countryside don't understand sometimes, you know, what it's what it is. They see a beautiful field. They don't see that as a farm business. They don't see that as a farmer's livelihood. They see a really cute calf. They think that's a great picture for Instagram. It's not, you know, there will be a newly calved cow somewhere with her maternal instinct that if you get anywhere near that calf, the one thing that that cow is going to do is kill you, get you out of the way. You know, and unfortunately, we've wonderful people like Willie Harper from Renfrewshire, who is very honest and open about sharing his personal experience of that. And he's a man who knew what he was doing. He was tired, you know, but this is farmers. And this is what we need to be aware of, that there is so much going on in a farmer's head at any given time. You know, that tiredness comes into it, rushing comes into it, and then the potential for them to make mistakes or make bad decisions can change their life completely yeah and i mean we're saying farmers but then you're saying it's folk that aren't even in farming and when i heard about that increase and and i haven't you're saying the exact figures aren't out and and the research hasn't been done but something that went through my head was with covid there was obviously a lot less um uh, harvest workers brought from the normal places they were. I don't know if they were coming from nearby and they weren't fully trained or, you know, I don't know, would that be something to do with it? Or That that is actually, I'm doing research at the minute with um, counterparts in America, Latvia, uh, Slovenia, Finland and Lithuania about exactly that, the incidences of people um, having been injured or um, killed on farms. Also the lack of free movement of people and temporary workers and foreign-born workers, and whether or not there was guidance issued for those people. And actually, to be fair, DEFRA did publish some very good guidance. Actually, Public Health England published it, posted on the AHDB website about that. We published a guide for temporary workers as well, when we knew that land army was being called for. You know, 70,000 people were being needed to pick fruit and, you know, everything. And the fact that that farm safety training wasn't there because when they're being brought in almost like as contract workers, they will go through specific training before they're actually out there. But there was an element of desperation. They couldn't deliver training safely because of the size of the places and the social distancing requirements and stuff. So there's a lot of research that will need to be done to see what lessons are learned and how we can how can they can work faster and be more agile. I mean, we were able to get some info out there for you know young farmers who were leaving colleges that were being sent home that weren't receiving their training that we would normally do. Also for parents of children that were going to have young children on the farms because when schools closed farming families were going to be you know they're going to be struggling because the children were going to be able to be supervised what do they need to be aware of the practical things not the high and mighty 
this can't be done. More from opinion of what can be done. You know, what, what does good look like? You know, what, you know, what should you be striving for? You know, what should you have at the back of your mind? So those gentle reminders. And it's, it's quite an interesting thought, actually, you know, not let's stop this. Because, I mean, when you, when you consider agriculture, you consider a conventional office position. There's no way that can't be, quote unquote, more dangerous. You know, I don't think it's possible. Maybe you'll you'll disagree with that, but I don't see how it's possible for when you've got machinery, uh, animals that, yes, you can control to a point, but there's only so much you can control them. How we ever get to like sort of exactly the same level as, as you know, working in an office alongside people, computers, dividers, that sort of thing. So what, what would your advice to, pe to people be uh, that are maybe going on to farms. I, I see you guys make advice guides for, for parents, young farmers, as you said, uh, people coming on to farms, new to farms, that sort of thing. What would your specific advice be to folk listening that maybe are going to start work on a farm or, or anything like that? <clears throat> well, I mean, the thing is, okay, just because you can change a light bulb doesn't mean you can rewire your house. You know, just because, you, I mean, I think it's complacency don't think you know everything if you think you need training if you're going perfect example if you're going to use an atv or a quad bike as part and parcel of your job learn about the vehicle yes you might have your driving license you're going to hop into lewis hamilton's formula one car just because you've got a driving license you're not you're going to wait until somebody guides you around it and shows you what what everything does you know, so the same should be with a quad bike. Get to know the type of vehicle. Get to know the terrain you're going to be traveling on. Wear your flipping helmet for a start. Yeah. You know, what's just fundamental things like that is wear the proper equipment because it's there for a reason, not to stop you having fun or to impede your ability to do your job. But the helmet will stop flies going into your eyes for apart, apart from anything. It will be the only protection that you would have if that quad bike rolls because they don't have a rollover bar you know that's not it's not the law here understand if the if the, uh, the ground you're traveling on is hard are your tires they're you know properly inflated just those kind of things go on a course it'll be maybe a, a, a day out of your life you know but if you're going to use that every single day Make sure you know how to understand it. Same with livestock, learning more about the animals that you're working with and their peculiarities. And, you know, it would be worthwhile doing because, you know, understanding that issue about the newly calved cow, understanding that, you know, cows can get spooked by anything like a dog barking or a butterfly, that they're pack creatures, all of that kind of stuff. If, you, if this is what you're going to be dealing with, like anybody else, a lawyer wouldn't turn up in, at court without the right information to hand, you know, so use your head. Machines don't have, you know, brains, so use yours. All of those things. I mean, there's a lot to learn. And as you said, farmers have so much in their mind and everything seems to be stacked against them because it's out of their control. They're at the mercy of the elements. They're at the mercy of trade agreements. The UK, the, the market for UK goods is changing. You know, they don't understand the full implications of Brexit and it seems to be changing quite a lot as well. You know, they're now being told that there are potential payments for them if they want to leave the industry to get new blood in. All of those kind of things. It just seems to be an ever-changing thing. So stay close to your to NFU Scotland to learn what's happening and how it affects you because they're your first part of call. They'll get that info from government. They'll go through it and they'll get it out to you in a way that you'll understand because farmers don't have an awful lot of time to read lots of paperwork. It's not what they're up. <laughs> Let's be serious. Does anyone know exactly what's happening with Brexit? <laughs> Maybe that's another discussion for another day. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, no. I actually think one point to reiterate there, Stephanie, from what you said, I think a lot of us, you know, we've all been young at one point. Why do I have to wear a helmet? And and you mentioned that it's it's um, the uh, the sort of taking away from the, the fun experience. Um but you mentioned a really good point there. Wearing a helmet makes, like, <laughs> we live in Scotland, there's rain from time to time. Rain hitting your face on the quad is the most annoying thing on the planet. You don't get that anymore. You get the visor. And I think that's actually a good way. I know the main reason should obviously be for safety, and it is for safety, but maybe a way to make people think about it is, is thinking that way, which is something I hadn't actually considered. But um, 
Also something that you, you did mention about, you know, we're all, we're all young. It's not the young people that are getting killed. <laughs> you know, it's not. It's the older farmers. When you think about the guys that are actually, um, if we look at this year's statistics, there are only two under the age of 40 so far. Right. Only two. And one of those was a member of the public. So only one young farmer under the age of 40 you know, according to the health and safety executive, what the figures that I have at the moment, they may change. But, you know, that it is older farmers. There were four of them over the age of 80. So it's not the younger farmers because the younger farmers are learning at college. They're learning at the young farmers club because we're working with SAYFC to roll out our farm safe module that they can do at their clubs, you know, and I've got six fantastic farm safety ambassadors up there, you know, all over the country doing the, the, this training like it's almost it's peer-to-peer so it's not like anybody preaching at them it's somebody you know explaining to them these are the human consequences of what could go wrong this is why you need to look after yourself it makes good sense to you from a business point of view if you're going to do this for the next 40 years it's not somebody that's done it and got away with taking those risks for the last 40 years it's never going to happen to me yeah well you know your luck runs out so you've got to use your brain. I mean, I guess the one thing there is, I don't know how what percentage of agricultural workers are below 40 um, as well, but the, the, the fact that there was four over 80, you know, how, how many people are working at 80? You know? No, but, but it's not legal in other professions, but then again, would you blame them? Because farming is a lifestyle. It's a yep. vocation. It's not a job. And let's be honest, there's very few few of us are doing it because it's going to make us loads of money you know um and this is the thing and and that's why whilst you can't turn around and say you shouldn't be farming at 80 why not if he's enjoying it but it's knowing the limitations and knowing the job that they're doing and thinking about what could potentially go wrong if you're in a crush or if you're in a race with an animal and you're 80 years of age, you're not going to get out as quickly as a 59-year-old is. And that actually 59 is the average age of the UK farmer. You know, it's an older, older population, but, you know, it's still, it is still probably those older farmers over the age of probably 60 are by and large the majority of those that end up suffering a fatal injury. I wonder, I wonder how you do that, because, I mean, considering an 80-year-old, right, I'm not farming, I'm from a farm, but if I was 80, I'd be 56 years from now, I'll be 80. The, the, the technology that I have grown up with and whatnot will be different in 56 years. And I think the jump in the, the 56 years from now back is a huge jump, you know, from going into mechanics to now going into sort of the fourth agricultural revolution. Is there is there training in place for, for, for older farmers there as well? Or is it focusing at young, younger more? Do you know what? I would love to get my hands on the older farmers. Um, that would be difficult. <laughs> we, were set, we were set up as a charity to look after the ne- next generation, you know, and there's only three of us and we cover the whole of the UK and we've got yeah. our education programs, we've got our campaigns, you know, we've got our research, all of the things that we do. And, you know, to be fair, um, NFU Mutual, the insurance company, set us up and basically said, you're independent. We're setting you up. We we will fund you, you know, for the next couple of years. I mean, they're the ones who put their money where their mouth is. We care about things. You know, here's some money. You do what you have to do and report back to us once a year. So they've already extended their funding for us from five years to then another three. And then they're hopefully going to keep doing that. But we just don't have the resources because if we start to then change our focus to an older farmer, then that next generation who are coming into the industry, who are going to drive those good behaviours, will miss out. So it's one of those things that just what we're doing just seems to be growing and growing in terms of like first year I did this, you know, and I developed the training course. It was like we did one college, then we did 11, then we did 18, and then we were up to 30. And this year, we're up to like 40 and that's 40 land-based colleges right across the UK, you know, right over from Caffrey, Northern Ireland to SRUC, down to Dutchy and Cornwall and stuff. So the demand for what we're doing is there because there's a real hunger because they were fed up 
hearing that it's got the poorest safety record of any occupation. We're fed up hearing that it's seven times more dangerous than quarrying or construction, and 18 times more dangerous than the in industry average. You know, we need to do something about it, but there needs to be not training. I would prefer gentle reminders, hand holding, you know what I mean? It's sowing the seed to use upon, but it is actually, but it's actually making them think that it's their idea. Yeah. Because they knew, they knew what it's, you know, what's, what the potential risks are. So it's up to them because, you know, your health, your safety, your choice. True, actually. I mean, we, we try and market agriculture as a good place to work. That's why I do this podcast. Um, and if you've got parents looking at their kids are deciding what college to go to and they're looking at agricultural college and then they look up about agriculture and they see that, there's going to be something in their mind, you know. But rightly so, <laughs> rightly so. Um, absolutely, absolutely, but the, the encouraging thing is that the next generation are more aware. They are more prepared to say no to a job if they know it's unsafe. They know how to challenge a job. And actually, one of the things we teach them is the psychology of challenge. And it sounds really lofty, but it's actually just giving them five steps. Do this. If they don't respond, do this do this, do this, do this, you know, and basically at the end of the five steps, walk away. You've done the best you can do. If that person is still making you do a job and you know it's an unguarded PTO that's there or a cracked PTO shaft, you know, and they're asking you to work, you, you have to say no to protect yourself, you know, and then we supplement that with the, the brilliant people that we have who've very generously share their stories with us in the hope that somebody else isn't going to be in that position you know so we do have we do have stories of real people with real experiences you know so that those kids will know that there's real dangers out there you know we're not just saying this and we're not sending you scary videos it's just somebody talking about their own personal experience and i think that's more because you end up imagining what goes on and then you can see that and visualize it yourself yeah and i think that the sort of talking about it and and there, there is that stigma of oh my manager said so it shouldn't mm -hmm. matter you know it really shouldn't matter and it's one thing i really do push the students i don't care if they're telling you to do something dangerous it's not happening um <laughs> and and if we could get that out that everyone says that and you know out these folks that are trying to say just go for it when they shouldn't be then then that's got to be a win in itself i, I didn't realize you guys had three employees when i looked up on the website there's the three people coming up but i just assumed that was three people of the, <laughs> that's mental. no that's it <laughs> that's it there's just uh, myself and sophie and um eleanor um and it's, has it just been you three guys since day one or no it was me no. for about three was years it? on my own <laughs> oh fair play to you, you you've turned it was, if, if, it was it was me, so I was answering the phone and I was <laughs> making the tea and doing <laughs> the, the campaigns. Honestly, I was like, write the theme tune, sing the theme tune. <laughs> but um, no, it's, it's been fun. But the thing is, I mean, like, yes, there's only three of us, but we can call on people like, you know, SAYRC. We can call on, you know, the NFU Scotland you know, RSABI, all of the guys, you know, up there and same, we've got the same relationships in Northern Ireland and in Wales and in England. So it's just, we've got a big network of people that like, if I don't know the answer, I know somebody who does, yeah. you know, and that that's a really important thing as well, because it's gotta be, it's gotta be about partnerships. It's gotta be about working together, you know, and not just a box ticking exercise. Yes. I mean, you know, you've got to really want to, to change it, you know. I mean, it's, I mean, we're talking about the fatal injuries, but there's also 14,000 people every year have serious illness yeah. that have to live with it, whether it's musculoskeletal, whether it's zoonosis, or whether or not it's, you know, respiratory issues as well, you know, that come from working on a farm. So that's an awful lot of people. Absolutely. And, and feel free to throw SRUC into that relationship building side of things, by the way. Um, um, Listen, I do. I have great I have great memories of a rotten day uh, standing in the rain. I think we had four seasons in one day up at Dumfries and Galloway, um, up at SRUC. But it was it was great because they were actually one of the first uh, colleges to be 
to actually, to actually take the training because when I started, I developed the training session and I phoned around and I, I could have been spent, you know, selling PPI. I swear I was that popular, you know, but it just took two or three land-based colleges to go, do you know, that seems like a good idea and it's not going to cost us anything. No, it's not going to cost you anything. You know, and when you say it's free, I thought everybody would be jumping at it. No, they weren't. So, you know, the first year we did 11 and then suddenly they all met at a Landex uh, meeting and started talking about it. And then, then the phone started ringing. So that's why we went up to 18 the next year, suddenly jumped and then as the word spread and as I got more members of staff, obviously, we were able to do more. No, that's brilliant. I mean, the, the college I'm contacting from is the Dumfries and Galloway on the Barney. Um, the one I that I was at, I just, what was that, sorry? I love that college. That's the one I went to. Oh, really? Brilliant. Uh-huh. Well, um, that'll, that'll be good fun. Uh, and the one I went to as a student was an air. The SRUC oh, in air. done them as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And if, if you guys are listening and you're thinking, what is this? What, what is the, the Farm Safety Foundation? One thing that you might have heard of before, and I'm going to show you because Stephanie was very proud of me for this. Um, I have kept these wellies on my key. Where is it? Is that the right way up? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've kept these on my key ring for, well, since I did that thing in here four years ago. And it's the yellow wellies, which are sort of like the, the poster to, to the Farm Safety Foundation. And uh, the reason that this um, that this is coming out today which is a uh, friday 23rd of july is today marks the, the end of um the farm safety foundation's farm safety week um so c- could you tell us a bit stephanie about what the farm safety week is about it's not the first time you've done it uh, and what it entails <clears throat> actually this is the ninth year of farm safety week it was actually something that was set up um by the insurance company and a few mutual uh nine years ago but actually, it's the, because of that, it was just a one week where NFU Mutual just talked about a couple of top tips for farm safety. And after the second time that they did it, the board met and said, you know what, we need to be talking about this more than one week in the year. And that's how we ended up, the foundation ended up being established, was out of the back of it. So, of course, they handed it back to us and said, look, you're looking after farm safety now, so you look after farm safety week. So at that point, I went, right, well, we need to make friends. We, we can't do this on our own. So we went to the health and safety executive. We went to NFU Scotland, health and safety executive of Northern Ireland, the NFU in England, and all those, the leading sort of stakeholders as such, and said, look, do you want to do this with us? If we give you the themes, join with us, share our messages, you know, let's get everybody on Twitter involved as well, and Facebook. But actually, it's now grown to five countries. So it's England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, and the Republic of Ireland. And so it's over five countries over five days. And basically, we share one key message. And this year, the theme will be Rethink Risk. So things we're talking about are, you know, tiredness and fatigue. Does that affect that? And we work very closely to, with the University of Aberdeen. Amy Irwin and her team there at the School of Psychology and the MTS Ag um, about fatigue and we're sharing some of their research and we've done our own research um, that basically 69% of farmers admit that tiredness will cause them to take a major risk. You know, right. so also what, we, so what we've <clears throat> done is we're, we're out there and we're asking people, well, of course farmers are tired can't tell us not to be tired you know yeah. so we're saying you tell me how you as a busy working farmer combat tiredness and fatigue what do you do what works for you so this is what we're going to try and do is get them to share those messages um other things we're going to cover are things like the amount of people from the uh the um general public using the countryside not understanding its uses So really what we're going to try and do is get that information out to general public to learn a little bit more about farmland, what it can be used for. And then from a farmer's point of view, maybe this is your best way of like helping yourself and helping your animals to protect them against the general public as well. Um, 
So there's lots of, and then also we're going to talk about people that roll their eyes saying it costs too much. You know, farming safely costs too much. It costs the earth. Actually, it doesn't cost the earth, but it could cost you your life. So we're going to talk about those things. How much does a new ATV helmet cost? How much does a new PTO guard cost? You know, how much does it cost to put up a sign? You know, are they available? All those kind of things. And it's really just giving people little hints and tips. It's like, you know, downloading what three words onto your phone. It's free. But if anything mm -hmm. happens, you'll be able to get emergency services to you quicker. And also working with people like George Noble. And a, there's a lot of different um, new technologies being developed as well that aren't going to necessarily cost a fortune, but they're worth an investment. If it, how do you turn around and tell somebody's family that they weren't worth a new £75 PTO guard? You know? I don't I don't think there's anything you're ever gonna buy for farm safety that's gonna cost more than your son or daughter or mum or dad's life. Like, you know, I don't think that's ever the case. Uh, <laughs> I hope it's never the case. Uh, yeah. Um I mean the 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 one of sort of integrating farm safety with the public as well, there is there is two sides to that coin. You know, there's 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 the farm safe the the, the public safety on the farm, uh, but that also does come with an expectation that there's the respect from the public to the farm as well, which there quite often is. And I know that's sort of going away from your your side of things, uh, Stephanie, but it's it's a it's a tricky one to to balance. Yeah. I mean like Emma Harper up in Scotland, you might have heard of was doing great things on like the importance of um dogs on lead and stuff and started to take the lead campaign. You know, that sort of thing. Um yeah. and I don't know how I don't know how that education gets out. I, I I mean, I, I work with, or not work, but, you know, volunteer for, for RET up here and uh, that sort of thing and getting into schools, talking about everything about farming and starting from the kids and maybe the kids come home and tell mum and dad and stuff. You know, I, I don't know how that works, though. Um, yeah, I know. And that's why we we make a massive focus, especially on Farm Safety Week, to sell those stories in to local press because everybody reads, you know, the local press. You'll read your wee free newspaper that comes through the door. You read that from, and that's our way using things like that, but also using the real stories of like somebody talking about the fact that you know. I mean, and there have been some fantastic stories, and you see them on Twitter of actual farmers talking about the fact that there was dogs in the field. They didn't lift up their um, the dog poo, yeah. and unfortunately, two cows aborted. You know, that's tragic. That's somebody's livelihood, you know, but actually getting people to realise that there are consequences. Yes, you're out for a good day out. Nobody's going to deny you that. We've got our beautiful countryside and, you know, why shouldn't people enjoy it? But do you know what? Be respectful, as you said, of it. Understand that this is somebody's livelihood. This is somebody's business. That cute calf is somebody's animal you know that big large heifer that you think is massive is massive because it's pregnant your dog pooing and that dog, that animal eats that will cause that parasite will cause parasites and they don't get that no. they just don't understand that and taking you know taking your family up and parking or camping in somebody's lovely field you know could possibly ruin their harvest that year you know all of those kind of things are things like that they just have to be aware of. There are those people that won't listen anyway, but there are all those people that will actually go, do you know what? I never thought about that. Yeah. And that's what we want people to do. We want people just to think about. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you mentioned working alongside Aberdeen University there, and you were talking sort of on the basis that the farmers are tired. You know, I'm from a beef and sheep farm. The, the main example there is lambing. Uh, you could say Gavin only got 15 cows so the lambing's the main one uh, you know harvests there's shearing all that sort of stuff there's, there's loads of examples <laughs> talking about a solution for that I mean the, the one that jumps to mind I personally don't drink it but the one that jumps to mind is caffeine that seems to be the, the one that will get everyone through which probably isn't the best idea you're going from having this problem of being tired to being addicted to something that you probably shouldn't want to be what, what, is there anything that's coming out yet there or oh, we're, we're, we're getting them in at the minute you know there are people talking about you know enforcing breaks there's people talking about you know mindfulness which is amazing you know and it's actually think you know all that business of taking some time and you know savoring the, the moment and savoring the present mm -hmm. so that it's incredible to think of the different 
um, strategies that are people that people are using. They have we're bringing them all together, and they will go out almost like a these are your top tips. Right. You know, for doing it because you know, as you said, like the caffeine is one that there are you know there are good coping strategies and there are negative coping strategies for that. You know, so it'll be interesting to see you know what people are doing, but you know you can't tell a farmer not to be tired you can't tell them to take breaks because they'll be like the job's to be done you do it you know we don't have as many people on the farm as we used to so and that's really really important because we're there just to support farmers we're not there to tell them what to do they know what they're doing we're just there to remind them of what could go wrong and the fact that they are important and people do care about them and we need them so you know come home safe and don't fall asleep at the wheel and all of those kind of things. So we're, we're using um, sort of comparison with like airline pilots and military okay. personnel and stuff like that. So, because people like that, we would be flying long haul flights and all of, all of those kind of things. So getting sort of learnings from them. So that'll be really interesting because um, Ilnica who did the survey at the University of Aberdeen um, I'll be getting her paper through in the next couple of weeks. It'll be really interesting just to, yes. and obviously it'll be out by now. So you can go onto their website, yellowwellies.org <clears throat> and read up about it. So. No, that sounds interesting. And one other thing I just wanted to pick up on, uh, obviously aware of it myself, I'd, I'd like you to tell everyone about it. What three words? Could you just tell us a bit about what that is, Stephanie? Because a lot of folk don't know about it, and I only really knew about it in the last month or so. Oh, wow. It's just the best thing that has ever happened to location <laughs> services, ever. Okay, so what three words? The developers of this app, it's free, and it's what number three words have divided the entire earth into three by three metres squares. Now, those of you that have a mind or can google quicker than i can tell you will realize then that there's 57 trillion different addresses so basically every single one of those three by three meter grids has been given a unique what three word um address so for example i could be pizza computer dog right so essentially if i driving up the road and i see something has happened on in a field and it's not looking right and I hop out to see what's going on and I find the farmer lying there in need of assistance I can basically what three words my location I've got my location there I can then phone 999 or 112 for emergency services and say hi I've just come across the scene of a farming accident here my what three words location is pizza computer dog at that point, they can then put those into there. And 96% of the UK's emergency services are using this now, have signed up to it. So they can put that into their computer. They can pinpoint me within three by three meters. So I don't need to know I'm off the B497, you know, past McLaughlin's farm, up the up the back lane on the left and take a, take a right past the third haystack. I You don't need that. <laughs> I give them this and they've got me within three by three, which means that they can decide whether or not it's quicker to send the air ambulance or the land ambulance. And when you're talking about a farm injury, there's no such thing as a paper cut. As I said, like, you know, if it's a farming accident, it's probably a big one and it's potentially a life changing one or a life ending one. So time is of the essence. So if they can get that vehicle to that incident of three by three meters, then you know they have a chance of saving somebody's life so this is why it's really important it's it's a brilliant app and i i actually didn't know the the sort of the uptake was so high which is brilliant and so it's, it's, it's better than it's, i even realized yeah and actually right across the world it's improving but in the uk particularly obviously when it, where it was developed it's massively high so it's great for ramblers it's great for if you're a cyclist on the road you know because you know you might do a 68 meter loop or yeah. 68 kilometer loop on a Sunday morning something happens and you know you don't actually really know where you are because your Strava's not connected to anything you know yeah. so there are these different things these different ways if you're you know on holiday somewhere and you don't know where you are you don't need to know or speak the language you can phone 112 speak to somebody in your own native tongue because it's a European yeah. you know emergency number and then give them the what three words reference and they'll still get help no it's brilliant and i think you know 
with with sat navs and stuff, we don't know what road we're on. We barely know if we're on day one. You know, like it, it, it's we just yeah, grand. That's ready. Let's go. You know, um, and it, it's 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 almost a skill that's lost. Really knowing what road you're on and stuff for that sort of thing. What three words has just made that not matter? Which is so good. Yeah. Um, when you're talking about rural locations, especially in Scotland, because it's such a huge landmass there that is being used and being farmed and being crofted and all that sort of stuff. You know, it's huge for that, especially in terms of those locations, because people don't even really use use the grids grid lines anymore. No. You know, if you're going up and if you're contracting on somebody's farms, you know, are you going to know exactly? Do, will they give you the grid lines? All of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But when you're there, check up the what three words. So it's there, save your phone and you know it. Plus, as you said, something like pizza or dog or something, these words are a bit easier to remember when you're on it <laughs> than five, five point, you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, there are words like that that they do use, which is amazing. Yes. Um, yeah, and, and we've, we've spoke uh, a fair chunk there about, uh, you know, fatalities and, and injuries and stuff. One thing we've, we've sort of mitigated, and, or not mitigated, we've missed out is... Um, uh, mental health and, and you mentioned there your example there was was coming on a, a field and there was a farmer in it and, and how often uh, are we farming on our own you know um, whether it's out drilling or you're out uh, gathering a hill and you know people couldn't hear you shout if you needed to you know so um, mental health hits, hits agriculture quite severely from loan working from uh, you know all the pressures that are involved as you said um, what What's the sort of mental health story in, in farming at the minute? What's, you know? Well, do you know what? It's encouraging because um, more people are talking about it. You know, when we started talking about it four years ago now with the Mind Your Head campaign, it wasn't something people were really talking about it. However, in saying that, um, the Scottish Association of Young Farmers had their Are You OK campaign, which was yeah. groundbreaking, groundbreaking. They were first off the mark to talk about the issue of mental well-being. And it's not just, it's not, people talk just, they say mental health, mental health. It's not, there's Everybody has mental health. Sometimes yeah. it's good, sometimes it's not so good, but it's just the same as physical health. Sometimes you're in great form, sometimes you get a cold. Sometimes yeah. you hurt your yeah. leg, five-a-side football, but you know, but the thing is, if you hurt or broke your leg in five-a-side football, everybody would be talking about it. You'd be dining out for months on the sympathy. People would be finding out to see when you're back. But you know what? If you have a bout of poor mental health or or mental ill health, you don't talk about it. So you don't share that. No. Keep, it away, keep it away from people because you feel people might judge you or think badly about you. But actually, if one thing that, that, that the actual pandemic has taught us is that you know, we know that, you know, before the pandemic, one in 10 people in the UK were likely to be suffering from um, depression. But actually, that was back in sort of maybe March. Come fast forward to August, it's one in five, not one in 10, one in five. And actually, um, the Centre for Public for, for Mental Health said that as a result of the pandemic, it is likely that 10 million people in the UK will be needing help with their mental health. You know, so when you think about everybody out there that's got what they're dealing with, but on top of that, you've got an industry with that is at the mercy of the elements that is subject to significant debt in order to do what they're doing. They've got the worry of international trade agreements. They've got the worry of, you know, political developments they're on their own as you said all day with nobody else to talk to you know um they're looking after their land they're looking after their livestock they just and they don't look after themselves and this is you know it's one of those things that it's got to be talked about we're so lucky and actually and specifically in scotland with rsabi that fantastic fantastic organization i can't even talk highly enough about them because no matter what the issue or the stress that you're experiencing um, is as a result of whether it is financial, they can help. Whether it is, is marital, 
if it's family disagreements of succession planning, which is the thing that nobody likes mm-hmm. to talk about, handing the farm over, or even having that discussion around that, they can help with all of that. You know, they're there to offer an ear, to offer support, to offer counselling, to get people to the, you know, the, the support that they, they need. You know, so they're, we're, you're very, very lucky to have that. And it's a, like a one-stop shop. But unfortunately for them, you know, the funding's all is, you know, they're, 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 the need for their services has increased. The funding needs to increase, you know, yeah. likewise to match that because they're doing, they're doing an awful lot with just the same amount of money. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was always aware of RACBI and I'm a, a 20 stone person and there was that RACBI push up challenge. And I did it and uh, I posted every every day for 25 days, much to everyone's joy. And only on the second last day did I manage 25 without falling over. Um, and, and after that, I started to, to look up RSABI and, and David Leggett, who's their chairman, you probably know, he, he was the second person on this podcast. So um, it was a really interesting chat to see what they're doing. And when you talk about that, we weren't talking about it. <laughs> it seems like a bit yeah, yeah. But I always remember, I'd maybe be, 10 or 12 or something and I went to the local market and, and a gentleman called Chris Blackshaw uh, was speaking to my dad and Chris is a reverend or minister I'm not exactly sure of the exact uh, thing but he was just having a chat with my dad about how he was you know didn't know him never met him before I remember getting in the car and dad saying like that was funny you know what, what, what was that about and and as time went on that that conversation is now that was so nice you know it's not that was strange it's now that was the first time I was really aware of that and that he'd be 50 at the time and he'd never really considered that happening. And and it's quite good that now it's just normal to chat about it. Yeah, that's it. And that's why, you know, you need to encourage people to sort of reach out and to speak to that person you haven't spoken to for a wee while and actually look out for each other and look after each other. Cause that's what, you know, that's what the agricultural industry is so good at because if anything went wrong on the farm, all the neighbors would be around to help. You know, but it's also the same, you know, let's just realise that this has been a really weird year, really weird. And that's, you know, to say the very least. And we're all, I think we're all struggling. And it's been a bit of a roller coaster for everybody, you know, um, to a larger or lesser extent. But I think we need to continually connect because we've actually been disconnected as a, a society but we need to find ways of staying connected with each other so that we don't disappear into our own heads and overthink things. And, and that's unfortunately, if you're not in the right headspace, when you get behind the wheel of an ATV, it's not the ATV that's dangerous, it's you. Yeah. No, and that's, and this is the thing, you know, farmers will do that if you're wanting to fix a hedge or they're wanting to fix the roof of a barn or something, they'll go, don't you be doing that's too dangerous. Let me do it. You know, yeah. They will put everybody else's safety, everybody else's, you know, well-being way ahead of themselves. But they don't realise that if something happens to them and they are the main farmer, then there's still a farm that needs that needs looked after. There's animals that need tended to, you know, so they need to think of themselves as, you know, you are your farm's biggest asset kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting point you raise about that it's not the quad that's dangerous, it's you. there's always examples. I mean, great, great uh, initiatives out there like Tele Trailer Service. I'm sure you're oh, very yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. Uh, I've totally forgotten her name. It begins with a J. Jane uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, what she's doing there. I mean, a horrible, horrible situation that had to happen for that okay. initiative to start. Obviously, and and you know, whatever you say about these situations, but um, yeah. Uh, not nice at all, but what she's done with that and, and the move she's made is fantastic to hopefully never have something happen like happened to Harry, you know? And, uh-huh. and I, I think that these things that are happening, just people getting involved themselves is, is brilliant to see what, what this as an industry can do. Um, but yeah, I, I'm conscious, Stephanie, that you're a very busy woman. We've spoken for, God, almost almost an hour, 50 minutes, I think. Um, <laughs> I'm Irish. I'm Irish. <laughs> It's the curse of the Irish that I'm not going to say Blarney Stone, but we just we like. If somebody wants to listen, I'll talk. 
when uh, you've got a, a, a Scottish person and an Irish person sitting chatting, it's going to go for a while. <laughs> I think that's well known. The only, the only missing thing here is a whiskey, I think. But um, yeah, it's been really good to talk and uh, hopefully folk will listen in and think, you know, um, I will just think twice about whatever, even one thing. That's all, that's all it takes to hopefully save a life. And um, what, what we always finish on, and this is slightly different because this is more being aimed at health and safety and stuff, um, and no, the questions are going to be still the same. I always ask everyone at the end, Stephanie, one, where do you see yourself in five years? And two, um, if you had any tips for someone coming into the industry you work in, which with yourself is sort of health and safety itself, what would they be? But maybe you want to talk about agriculture and, and doing that in health a safe manner, maybe. Um, yeah, I think where I see myself in five years' time, I see myself being back in my villa looking over at, um, to see if I can see the Ilsa Craig on a good day, which I can, by the way, just letting you know. Um, and, um, but I don't know. I actually, do you know what I would really like? I would like for there to be no need for the charity. Do you know what I mean? I'd like yeah. I'd like to be unemployed in five years so that, that because there would be no deaths, there wouldn't be any injuries. You know, the aim is to have zero avoidable deaths. You know, yeah. what we want, and it's it shouldn't be a, a, an ambitious one. It should be one that we're all working towards. You know, um, but advice: if you're going to do a job, uh, learn about it. Yeah. Um, just be a sponge and just do the courses learn to understand you know how the machines work um how they work and how they work safely you know um and just every single job you know think about what can i do to make sure i come home tonight to my family and to those that love me because i mean looking after themselves is really it's not as i said it's not a lofty thing and yes everything that i that i talk about is common sense but common sense isn't that common these days so you know, <laughs> but they, but that that's it really. It's just yeah. rethink the risk. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. You've, you've chosen that that motto for a reason, and maybe maybe even to add to that, uh, make sure you make it home at night at the end at the end of the night. Make sure your family does. Make sure your friends do. Have the conversations that makes everyone think as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's been really good to talk talking about quite a, a delicate topic today, which is. Just trying to think of what the two are before this. It's the first time we've done that on the on our two cast, and it, it's something that we need to do. Um, so I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, I hope you've. I hope yeah. If you're working on farms or you're or you're going out a walk, I was going to say walk with a cat there. I don't know why that was going to walk with a dog. Uh, people walk with cats. People walk with hamsters. <laughs> we don't judge. <laughs> exactly. I'm a cat person as well. Very much more than dogs. So if you're going to walk with your cat, your rabbit, your dog, whatever. Um, just be mindful of 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 the the, the places you're walking through, um, and yeah, just t- treat everything as something that could could do you some damage, could kill you, and, and hopefully it won't. Um, but yeah, thank you, Stephanie, for coming on. I appreciate it muchly. Thanks, um, No, not at all. Uh, it's been very good to chat, and to you guys listening, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks' time. Thanks. <laughs>